Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now, here's your host, Richard Bliss. Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss. I'm your host, just like the man said. And you're listening to episode 197. Thanks for being here. Got a great episode for you. Got a great guest, as I always do. Sometimes it's just me. This time I actually have a guest. But before we go to the guest, let's do a quick shout out. We've got a project out there. I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. I think you might want to take a look at it. Capturing Backyard Bugs Through Photography. It's on Kickstarter. It's Isa Betancourt. Isa, I apologize for getting your name wrong, but this is her first project. She's back 10. And holy cow, does she know how to take pictures of bugs? Talk about creeping you out unless you like bugs. You got to go check this out. There's some spectacular photography there. And she is only asking for $1,600. And guess what? She's sitting at $1,500. So you, my audience, go take a look. Show her a little bit of love. Now, let's go to my guest. My guest today is someone who I have met once in physical life, in the flesh, if you want to say, but we've exchanged commentaries, emails, opinions, and have often been at different spectrums when it comes to talking about Kickstarter. And I thought, what better way to get to know somebody than to bring them on the show and have a discussion about Kickstarter and the impact it has on the retail industry. My guest is Gary Ray. Gary is the founder and uh, owner of Black Diamond Games in Gary, it's Concord, right? You're in Concord. Concord. Yeah. yeah. Suburb of Oakland. Suburb of o- Oakland. I'm going to say that and not choke. Suburb of Oakland. All right. So you're in the nice part of Oakland, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't want to put down Oakland. I, right. I live in Richmond, so I really can't be throwing stones. Oh, true, true, true. All right. So, but you are in the San Francisco Bay Area. And it's interesting for those who aren't familiar with um, our beautiful area because you're you're not that far away from me physically no like right if as as they say as the crows crow flies we're rather relatively close to each other that's right but i'm not sure the last time i took the effort to drive those traffic congested miles between here and concord Um, it could be anywhere from one to three hours yep depending on the day and depending on the hour time it is what time it is and uh, you know in google maps or apple maps tries to do its best to anticipate traffic but Sure. And it's, yes, it's much further than it looks. But in our area, we're going to talk. The reason I had you on the show, and I certainly appreciate you coming, is that we're going to talk about specifically the impact that you have expressed about the impact that Kickstarter is having on retail, whether there is an impact, positive or negative, and how retail, Kickstarter and retailers are working together or they're not working together. There's the general topic we're going to talk about. Sure. So it's not specifically about board games, although you are a board game store, and that's it's about the board game industry we're going to talk about. But this can apply to any of our listeners who are in another space. I've had a few of our guests, not guests, listeners, reach out to me and, and ask that we expand a little bit beyond the board game. So here we're going to talk about the business implications of Kickstarter. So let's talk about Kickstarter. All right. Um, so the audience already is very familiar with Kickstarter. Almost everybody is familiar with Kickstarter in the board game industry. Um, you have been in the board game industry for a decade. You've got a, a, a fairly significant store. Everybody who's listening pretty much knows my position that I think that the Kickstarter has had a significant impact and will continue to have a significant impact. Your perspective is coming from the retailers. What perspective 
I don't even almost know where to start, but let's kind of just start with that. The perspective of Kickstarter impact in the industry, what change or influence have you had seen Kickstarter have in the inf in industry? Well, it's a lot, it's a lot bigger than I expected and a lot smaller than I expected. So the, the big thing is it tends to take the, the interesting stuff, the fringe stuff, and it tends to remo remove retailers from the equation. Things that we might have brought in one copy of that are that you know has a lot of interest in it and a, a lot of buzz around it, uh, that stuff is no longer really an option for us, uh, either because it doesn't ever get to the retailers or because it's so small that they saturate the market with the Kickstarter supporters. Give me an example. Do you have an example? Oh, or God, everybody asked me that. Any anything any any board game that does under fifty thousand dollars is there. We go. That's a perfect example. So rather yeah. than picking one, so if they, if they don't cross the fifty thousand dollar threshold, you can pretty much look at that and say, yes, it's got a niche interest, but it's not big enough interest to be to be considered seriously as a something that you would carry in your store. Exactly, and, and as much as I would like to, it, there's a really good chance if I bring it in, which is which I did a lot of. I've, I've supported twenty five different kickstarters for the store. There's a really good chance that my alpha customer is going to come in. He's going to tell me, yeah, that is a great game. I've supported it on Kickstarter. Uh, and there just aren't enough other people at that level to, to support us with it. Now, you said it was much bigger and much smaller. So which one does that fit into, smaller or bigger? Um, which one does that fit into? Well, that's, that's – I suppose that would be the bigger impact, right? The, so Okay, that it's helping small fringe – publishers and designers actually get their game made not necessarily into distribution or retail but at least it's being made and that's and there's where the disintermediation for us comes in where we're kind of cut out of the equation um but but the thing this it's a small impact in one respect that remember i mentioned that we were an alpha store only an alpha store would chase those products um most most game stores there's probably two to three thousand you know, 90% of them that are in alpha stores don't even, you know, it took them a while to figure out what Kickstarter was, but most of them wouldn't even consider bringing in kind of a fringe board game. They wouldn't even go there. So those people are relatively unaffected. And when we look at our sales, the sales numbers really don't, you know, the sales numbers are unaffected. So that's not a thing. It's just that it takes, it's not the, I think I used the example before, it's not the steak, it's the sizzle, right? It, it just takes all the sizzle out of the board games because all the excitement's in Kickstarter. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> and then, and so from there, because we know I have, a, my angle is slightly different, but so, but you're, so you tell, so somebody's out there who's got a board game and you're like, okay, you're going to bring it to retailers. And, and this is what you're telling them. They're like, look, I'm, you know, you're too small, but that's because the the niche is too small and your single or double alpha, you know, one or two alpha gamers are like, no, I already got that. So you're, you're looking at the very people who would have bought it have already pledged and they don't have it, but they've already pledged and are supporting it. Right. There's a market saturation. And there's a, and there's a point, like I said, that $50,000 mark where it comes back into my, you know, into my sites where I want to, where I want to consider it again. And why is that? Well, that's kind of, that's where I've found just from trial and error. Cause I mean, the reason I figured this out is that $50,000 mark is I was sitting with a huge number of Kickstarter supported games and either ones that I supported on purpose or ones that I didn't know were Kickstarter derived. And, you know, I was like, what's, what do these things have in common? And then I was able to kind of, you know, narrow that down to that $50,000 mark. So if it's above $50,000, then what happens? Then I will, then it's under consideration. It's something I'll bring in. I'll look at it. I mean, usually at that point, the, the, 
there's some distributor buzz, there's some solicitations for that. So like right now, if a, if a distributor sends me a solicitation for a new board game, if it's not a company I know, the very first thing I do is I look, there's two places I would look, right? Before I would just look at Board Game Geek and see if there's any reviews, see what people say about it. Um, but I also, and the nice thing about Board Game Geek is it'll tell you right there that it's a Kickstarter project. Um, and then I'll look at Kickstarter and see what the, what the funding level was. Uh, and, and those two things combined now are how I would, I would choose. And it sounds really impersonal and, and terrible and all that, but that's, you know, I've got these, I've got many of these decisions to make every day. Sure. And you've done, you just said you've done 25. What, what caused you now you said 25 and I know you made another statement with that, but is that, is that a mix of personal and business or, or, per, uh, mostly for the store? It's, it's, I think I've probably only done one or two personal projects. Uh, part of that is being a retailer and getting things at wholesale. <laughs> so it's usually cheaper for me to wait unless it's not going to exist, but I've done around 25 projects for the store, meaning not things that are derived from Kickstarter, but where I've put my money in an advance and waited like everybody else and gotten the product at the end and sold it. Uh, so yeah, I've done 25 of those and, and it's not, and I, go ahead. <laughs> well, so there is a hot discussion it, and you know, all we have to do is just go out on Facebook right now into some of the, the Kickstarter forums and bring up, retail money Kickstarter and poof, they'll be off. Everybody will go. You can, I, you and I could stand back, just kind of lay the groundwork, stand back and everybody will just jump in because there is a lot of opinion about this because, um, it, from the retailer standpoint, if I understand the position is, is that, look, why would I put, m take my working capital and tie it up for a year or six months for a product? I'm not even sure I'm going to be able to sell. Why wouldn't I just wait, let it come out and then get it. And also the margins that you're used to selling at, right? Uh, so most people might not know that when the, uh, uh, when a game, a forty dollar game in your store, generally means that the the markup was about double that. So it was it's you paid twenty dollars for it for the forty. And I know we it's called keystoning. You keystone it. You just double double your cost. You double your cost, and that's sounds like a lot of money, but there is one cardinal rule about board game industry there is no money right because that money gets spread across all your employees all your costs um right right so so we might keystone it which means we double the price but the the net the net profit for most game stores that are profitable is around the five to ten percent range or five to eight percent range it's pretty low so for like a hundred dollar board game you're only making five to eight bucks at the end of the day if you're profitable which you know how many are profitable i don't know <laughs> But not, usually not very many because so much of the industry is driven by gamers who like to play games. So they open a game store rather than a business person who wants to make money. People who yeah. want to make money don't go into board gaming. Yeah, you consider you could you could go to a trade show and talk about profitability, and they'll, you'll find that there's a, a good number of store owners who think they're profitable that have never taken a salary. <laughs> they're essentially working for free. Right. So even they can't agree on what's profitable. So in your case, though, when we look at Kickstarter and we see somebody jumping up and down saying, this is wonderful, it's having a huge impact, it's doing great things, I don't know anybody like that, but if there was somebody out there like that who uh -huh. had their own podcast and they jumped up and down, okay, uh, that's me. <laughs> what do you tell them? You're like, look, no, it's not that you disagree with that that wonderful, I don't know if Pollyanna is the right answer, but that, that wonderful ch cheery outlook on things, that it's not quite like that. 
Well, the the problem with the a problem with the retailer. Well, a consumer when you spend when you give money to a Kickstarter project, you're it's just your money. You know, you don't really have a an idea of working capital or return on investment. So you're just giving some money and you're putting it out there, and it may come back and it may not. I mean, I've done 25 Kickstarters and three of them I'm still waiting on. Some of them are never going to happen. Uh, so that's just money out there that you that you put out for a thing you like. For a retailer, that's working capital, and there's opportunity costs. So if I give you $100 and you take a year to, to get that product to me, I mean, I can monetize that $100. I can tell you how much that just cost me. Uh, it, I can do it by turn rates, right? Like if I have four turn rates... Uh, that's $400 that I've lost to do your $100 product because I had to wait a year. That money's tied up. It's not working for me. So even when the product shows up, if I sell it on release, if I pre-sell every single product, if my money's tied up for a year, it still makes no sense. It makes no – there's no way to fix that. So is there is there a time where it does make sense for a retailer to participate with Kickstarter? There's a couple. Uh, the the big one is there's there's – we almost we call it, it's kind of almost a joke. We call it like a merchandising expense, okay? Right? Where we we buy things that we know aren't going to sell because it gives us a particular image for our store. So you might bring in a bunch of Hasbro games because it it tells the the uninitiated that you sell games here, even if they don't understand what Settlers of Catan is. Um, so in that sense, you're willing to sit on some of these games that don't sell very well, or maybe even ever, to kind of give that impression. And Kickstarter has kind of a halo effect. So if I can bring in some really exclusive, cool product that nobody else is going to have that differentiates me from my competitors, that makes my customers think we're hip and cool, I mean, hey, what's $100? It's not a big deal. Right. It's almost like it falls under that marketing budget type thing. It's a a marketing budget. Branding, marketing, advertising. Okay. Is there any other time, though, where it makes sense uh, beyond just the, the kind of the halo effect where you're like, yeah, this... Uh, this this is a good business decision. There have been some Kickstarter discussions about trying to make them more retailer friendly. Where, for example, you would, as a retailer, you know, pledge say, say you'll buy six product, right, six of the item, and you'll pledge a dollar now, and then you won't pay until release. Um, I think Lewis Porter Jr. wants interesting something like that. Interesting. So you're not tying up your revenue. You're not tying up your capital. You don't. There's really at that point no excuse not to do that, other than the usual, you know, decisions on what product to carry. Uh, so that's possible. That could work. And that usually is only going to be possible though if the person has raised sufficient funds to actually make the game. Right, and they're, and they're even aware of retailers and they even care. Right. So, okay. Now we're almost out of time, but. Ironically, you are about to launch your own Kickstarter campaign. <laughs> yes. Right, which has got a lot of people scratching their heads going, "Hey, Gary, I thought you were on the other side. Exactly. But yours is, and, and because we're out of time, I really wanted to talk to you about that. Um, would you be willing to come back and talk about it? I'd love to. Because your project isn't to make a board game. It's not to make actually a thing. Um, just give us a quick 30 seconds what it is. We're, we are expanding our, our game center to a second floor, a, a mezzanine level. And we've come up with a lot of the funds, but we're looking to, to push it to the – looking to tap Kickstarter, our community, to support us the rest of the way. Uh, it's interesting because the, 
there's only so much of a business case for this. And we've kind of drawn the line there. And then we're asking our community to kind of push us over the, over the line. Interesting. All right. So we can talk about that next time you come on the show. Sounds great. I certainly appreciate you taking a few minutes uh, to talk. I'm hoping that we can do this a couple of times because I know I'm going to get feedback from a lot of listeners who have a lot of questions. So we'll have to, to make that uh, a possibility down the road. And I know you took time out of your day because um, you're at the store. You've got uh, employees there working. So I certainly appreciate it. You got it. Thank you. You've been listening to Funding the Dream. My guest has been Gary Ray, the owner, founder, proprietor of the um, Black Diamond Games in Concord, California, which is in the San Francisco Bay Area. Gary can be found at blackdiamondgames.com, and I recommend that you go visit there because not only does he make a great guest on the podcast, but he writes profusely. profusely. There we go. I get that, yeah, get that word out there. But you do. You write extensively. That's a better word. Extensively on Kickstarter, the impact, and so people can go find that there. Gary, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Hopefully you've heard something inspiring. Be sure to listen in because Gary's going to give us some great tips about his turning Kickstarter into helping him raise funds to build something. So that'll be cool. Woohoo. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Take care.